This episode is hosted by Sean Falconer. Sean's been an academic founder and Googler. He has published works covering a wide range of topics from information visualization to quantum computing. Currently, Sean is head of developer relations and product marketing at Skyflow and host of the podcast Partiality Redacted, a podcast about privacy and security engineering. Luca, welcome to the show. Hey, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. So today we're we're going to be taking a kind of a deep dive into uh, uh, you know a pl- an area of engineering known as platform engineering, which I think is a you know relatively new concept. So I think it's going to be really interesting for for people to learn about. But perhaps before we get there, you could take a minute and introduce yourself. You know, who are you? What do you do? And how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, so I'm Luca. I run product at Humanitech. And I'm probably better known on Twitter for um, being a core contributor to the platform engineering community. I moderate the Slack over there. We have 10,000 plus platform engineers in there right now. I co-host PlatformCon, which is the number one platform engineering conference that is taking place in June. Um, and we, I also write Platform Weekly that goes out to about 10,000 people every week. Oh, wow. So it sounds like you are the uh, the the perfect person to have this conversation with. Then, well, I, one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So maybe uh, I, I feel like a natural place to to start for uh, you know anyone in the audience that is maybe not super familiar with the concept of platform engineering is simply you know what is platform engineering. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I think about it is you know platform engineering is 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 the is the art because is is really kind of an art more than a science of basically taking all the tech and tools that you have in the enterprise, especially today, and binding them into a golden path that enables developer self-service um, while also reducing the cognitive load on the individual contributor and the developer. And the superset of these golden paths is what is commonly referred to in the community as an internal developer platform or IDP for short. And that IDP is really kind of like the end product of platform engineering and specifically of a platform team. I see. So there's a couple of things there that I kind of want to uh, dive into. So you use the term uh, cognitive load there. You know, that's something I'm familiar with from my old uh, human computer interaction days, but could you explain what you mean by cognitive load and how that essentially impacts a user, I guess, in this case, a developer? Totally. Well, so let's take the example of um, I just want to like deploy a small change to, you know, a, a front end service to test something as a front end engineer. Right. Well, so um, in, you know, if, if, if we look back like 10 or 15 years ago, we used much simpler setups. Right. Our infrastructure was a lot simpler. You didn't have this like crazy cloud native uh, convergence of trends and technologies and and, and everything. And so if you just wanted to do that, you'd probably touch, let's say, I don't know, like one script, one CD tool, something like that. And 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 you'd be and you'd be good today in especially the enterprise, but even just like midsize engineer organizations upwards. What that looks like is oftentimes having to touch a home chart, a, a couple of YAML files, uh, a Terraform module, and a couple of other tools in your tool chain. And so that creates cognitive load. Um, and that uh, creates a lot of friction in the system because developers are overwhelmed by just the sheer complexity of having to understand all these different things, different programming languages, and so on. And um, or you know configuration languages um, and um, and so they you know a lot of times developers are just stuck right they they don't want to mess things up and so they rather basically just ping their uh, either more senior colleagues or operations colleagues um, so that they can help them out and what that then in turn leads to is waiting times for developers on the one hand and sort of um, you know, ticket ops and uh, a lot of bottlenecks on the operation side of things. And and that's kind of the current issue with uh, DevOps really today and what platform engineering ultimately 
is trying to address. I see. Yeah. So it's, it's like, you know, maybe a, an analogy would be, uh, you know, when I was a kid or maybe even earlier than that, when you were watching television, you know, my parents' generation, you watch television, you had like one or two channels. So there wasn't a lot of cognitive load with the, making the decision about what you're going to watch because essentially that decision was already made for you. Um, and, uh, and then now you fast forward today, there's like, you know, 10 different streaming networks with essentially unlimited content and you're just like overwhelmed and you and you don't know what to watch. So, uh, and it, I think is a, like a developer today, we have all this power at our fingertips. There's, you know, endless tools to do amazing things, but there's a cost essentially associated with that because now we have like basically like a deer in a headlights moment of like, wow, I, I, there's so much stuff. I don't even know where to get started or it just adds a lot of complexity essentially to, you know, our deployment and our actually internal development. I, I love that analogy. Um, uh, it's actually, even if you refine it, it's like, you know, every time you go on Netflix and you want to look for something and then you just like spend 30 minutes with your partner, just arguing on what, and you, you end up watching nothing in the end. You just give up on it. And yeah. So, I end up usually just going back and rewatching something that I've already watched because I'm just like, I, I don't, I can't spend the energy to figure out something new right now. Exactly, exactly. That's actually a really good analogy for cognitive load, yeah. Mm -hmm. So where did this, you know, concept of uh, platform engineering originate? Um, yeah, so the, um, so, so the original concept actually comes from um, uh, ThoughtWorks, uh, were some of the first folks kind of like to mention it. But, um, you know, and then that basically got later pop. So that was a, in a, in the technology writer in 2017. And then that got later popularized by, uh, Manuel Pais and Matthew Skelton in their book, Team Topology. So they were some of the first folks to actually formulate it as a, as a, um, as a concept, but, you know, platform engineering really has been around for probably like at least a decade, if not 15, 15 years at this point. And, you know, to kind of understand that maybe it's it's helpful sort of like take a step back and look at the, um, you, you know, the history of DevOps, right? So when DevOps came out, um, you know, at this point, 15, 20 years ago, the, the world was a very different place. As we said earlier, right, it was much more simple. You had less complex infrastructure, no Kubernetes, no crazy 10,000 tooling landscape at CNCF, right? And the initial idea of DevOps was really simple. It was basically, you know, tear down that um, mythological fence between the sysadmin and the and, and the developers, and really just facilitate co uh, collaboration between devs and ops. Easy. The issue is that turn quickly, you know, um, morphed into. A, a DevOps reality that uh, is not ideal. And it's literally what we were talking about earlier is the developers being stuck, operations being stuck on the other end and fighting ticket ops and trying to put out fires all the time. And, and that's really what the reality of DevOps looks like for the vast majority of engineer organizations today. And, and so that's not ideal. Um, but so if you look at that timeline, the first companies to realize, hmm, this thing is not really scaling and is creating some problems. We're very large engineering organizations, right? So we're talking about the Airbnbs, the Spotify's, the Googles of the world who literally have to, you know, I've had to onboard hundreds of developers a month um, and to, and they were onboarding them to an increasingly complex cloud native setup. And so they quickly realized, okay, I can't expect hundreds of new developers to, um, you know, be familiar with this increasingly complex uh, footprint uh, that of, 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 of their cloud that they were building. And so um, they kind of realized, okay, I need to build some sort of platform layer here in between the operation side of things and the application developers in order to enable developer self-service effectively so that, um, you know, developers don't need to wait. And then operations can have this, this layer in between the infrastructure and the developers to streamline how configurations are managed and how, um, you know, resources and infrastructures are consumed and, and so on and so forth, right? And so that's really, you know, where platform engineering got started. 
um, and then has been basically trickling down for the last 10 to 15 years um, to less advanced engineer organizations uh, and, and smaller companies. Um, and, um, and so in that sense, you know, platform engineering is really this discipline of building these golden paths and enabling self-service and so on that we discussed earlier, but it's also really the way of enabling true DevOps, right? The idea that the core tenet of DevOps, which is you build it, you run it, the that is actually possible at the enterprise uh, in the cloud native era through platform engineering and by building an internal developer platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense that something like this came out of those large, you know, engineering organizations like Airbnb or, you know, maybe like a Google or a Meta. Because if you look at like a company like Google, for example, you know, they have probably 70 to 80,000 full-time engineers. Like there's not a lot of organizations in the world that have that many engineers working on, on you know, uh, products within one organization. And they're just going to essentially reach scale issues far before most typical sort of like smaller companies are going to reach. And then of course, so they're kind of ahead of the curve when it comes to certain uh, innovations, I guess, in the landscape or, or the definition of certain like roles and functions because of the the scale that with which they're actually operating in. So you mentioned, you know, several times like DevOps and, and it's sort of the relationship between DevOps and platform engineering. So how does the you know, platform engineering essentially compare to engineering functions like DevOps or, or SREs? Yeah, so I think it, a really important um, sort of trait of successful platform initiatives that I've seen, um, you know, being rolled out at very at engineering organizations of very, of very various sizes um, is that from the get-go, they make very clear what the mission and vision for that platform team is. And it is really important that it, you know, within that mission, it's clear what is the difference between the platform team and the existing, you know, usually DevOps, infrastructure, SRE teams, right? And so the platform team doesn't replace those functions at all, right? Like you still need to have people that, are focused on the reliability, scalability, maintainability of your overall infrastructure, load balancing traffic across, you know, clusters in different regions and so on and so forth. Um, and so then in that sense, pl- the, the platform team is really focused on one major thing that is different from those other teams, which is shipping a product. And that is also kind of like what sets a, you know, uh, the the sort of like your your platform engineer apart from your DevOps engineer right is is this product mindset which you know you could argue uh, and and I have argued <laughs> about this with with uh, some 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 DevOps folks that it you know in some cases it is already what they've been doing right and so in that case it's fantastic right you you've already basically been building some sort of like product for. Um, your application developers to consume. But the reality set is in a lot of cases, DevOps try to almost kind of like teach um, technologies, right? And workflows to uh, developers instead of shipping a product that enables enables them to self-serve everything, right? And and then and and thereby removing themselves from from the equation really entirely, which is kind of what you want, is really this separation of concerns. Um, and so, um, and so that's really, uh, this, 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 uh, this really goes back to kind of the, this, this, uh, core idea that we advocate for in the community, which is platform as a product. Right. Um, and, and, um, and the great thing of doing this, uh, you know, mindset shift towards, uh, this, this product mindset is that then all the, things that we've learned around product management in the last 20, 30 years apply at that point, right? And so um, whether it's like roll-up strategies, MVPing, um, you know, uh, lighthouse adoptions, road mapping, all those things, all of that, all of that applies now. Um, and so that's really where, um, you know, the the kind of like product management and, and, and product manager uh, becomes also a really important figure for your um 
for your for your platform uh, initiative. But you know, to go back to your question, it's really the 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 mission, the vision, and and clearly defining that right because <clears throat> I've seen platform initiatives fail where the platform team hadn't communicated that clearly to the rest of the organization. And so effectively the developers and the rest of the org uh, ended up viewing them as just yet another DevOps or infrastructure team. And and and, and then you just fall back into the same uh, kind of like a, vi a vicious circle of ticket ops basically. And, and that's not what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, this content essentially like you're you're focused on or part of the focus is like shipping a product and in this case if i understand things correctly the product is essentially the developer platform the internal developer platform that your other parts of your engineering organization are going to be using to essentially develop whatever it is that your company ships as a product for maybe like a customer mm -hmm. is that my is that understanding correct it's essentially the internal platform with which your application engineers and so forth are going to actually be developing and shipping product on. Yeah, absolutely. And and so that that mindset shift that I was talking about is really around understanding, hey, your developers are your internal customers, i.e. the users of your product, the IDP. Um, and that's really that that mindset shift that, you know, sometimes can um, can cost people uh some some you know some some effort right um because again if you think about okay what's what's the ideal profile of a platform engineer right um well you know probably you should have like a solid understanding of your kind of you know kubernetes cicd workflows GitOps, terraform and your cloud native tool or technology du jour um, and but if you come from a, a DevOps or SRE position, you probably already have some degree of, of understanding of that, right? Um, and so then it really boils down to this, you know, shift of understanding. Hey, you know, my my developers are my customers, right? Um, and 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 then you know, building and, and shipping the the platform as a product and everything that we just said, and then the other bit that really highly relates to the first one is then communication, right? Because um, then it becomes extremely important as a platform engineer that you really build that feedback loop with uh, your developers. And 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 frankly, and you listen, right? And so one thing that I, I uh, sort of like often kind of try to, to explain this with is like, well, if you think about a, you know, let's say you were to plot on your, um, on your on your y-axis kind of like communication skills from like zero to infinite and and time of our industry is on the x-axis right you basically could plot like a, a a sort of like a line up into the right from your sys admin to your infrastructure engineer uh, cloud ops uh, devops and then eventually platform engineer because your platform engineer is going to be the one that in this evolution has to really have good communication skills, right? Because they need to communicate with developers, but also with um, C-level. And we can get a little bit more into that as well, but you really have just two different uh, or three different stake stakeholder groups that need to like sort of like collaborate for the platform initiative to be successful, right? Yeah, it sounds like in, in some respects, like this role or if you're working as a platform engineer has some similar characteristics that you'd want to find in someone who's typically working in like a developer advocacy or developer relations engineering role as well, where you're an engineer, but it's also very focused on feedback loops and communication. But there, the focus is what is the external product, you know, the API, the open source product, whereas this is more internal facing. And actually, in my time, when I worked at Google, there's actually internal developer relations that focus solely on essentially feedback for these platform teams to improve the internal uh, engineering tools and the efficiency with which the teams work. Exactly. Um, and that's where, like I was mentioning earlier, it's really important, this this role of the product manager of the platform. Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, as you said, like in very large organizations, you'll actually have uh, dedicated internal developer relations people that will that will target these things. Um, you also actually have, I think, interestingly, I was talking to Aaron Erickson, who 
also contributed a lot to the platform engineer community. He wrote a couple of pieces on platformengineering.org. And he built the uh, platform at Salesforce um, some years back. And he was actually telling me how at Salesforce, they had two or three different platform teams competing with each other, right? Um, and um, and that's where it becomes really interesting because it's really the, the sort of like the ultimate expression of um, that, that requiring this, this communication skills and product mindset, right? Because then you're really shipping a... a a product um, the same way a startup would, which means it's not just about the product, it's about the go-to-market as well, right? So you need to you need to have those communication skills to understand who your you know customers are and like what competition is doing and like how do we roll it out and like what's our go-to-market and how do we compete and everything, right? And so that's kind of like the main expression. But in um, or, or the ultimate expression, but the the um, in, in the vast majority of cases, you know, uh, most most engineering organizations don't have the resources to have competing platform teams, um, nor uh, you know, frankly, like dedicated uh, developer advocates just for internal purposes, right? Because maybe they're not that large, or they just don't you know have that level of resources to invest in that, and so. That's where the role of the product manager, as I was saying, becomes really, really important because the product manager becomes the link between these three different stakeholders, right? So they're the ones that need to go and sell up into C-level and executives and get that executive buy-in. And they're the ones that have to figure out the product market fit with the developers, um, and they're also the ones that will have to, uh, so at the beginning, right, but then eventually also like advocate for other development groups to progressively adopt the platform as it grows. And they're also the ones that will have to load balance that tricky relationship sometimes with um, existing DevOps infrastructure SRE teams, right? So they don't step on each other's toes. And so you can see how it really becomes like almost like an ambassador diplomat uh, level type of uh, of a communication skill. Um, and, um, and and I think it's super interesting. And, you know, the, the product management uh, channel in, in the platform engineering Slack space has been, I think, one of the most interesting one to interesting ones to follow for me personally, at least, because um, it was. Uh, unlike other channels, it was actually created by community members and not by us. And um, it's it has some of the most interesting threads going on because it's literally like you see the struggle of all these product practitioners that come into the community and try to like share best practices. And there's just so many dimensions to this um, that, you know, we, we could talk about it for an hour. And I, I would imagine being working as a product manager on for like a platform engineering uh, team you need to not only be like a strong communicator and be able to kind of fill the gap of this like advocacy role within your own organization, but you also probably need a fair amount of technical depth depth in order to be sort of credible as a, as a PM working in that space. Exactly. And that's where, you know, you're really looking for a unicorn, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, because exactly. it's, it's these people that uh, need, as you said, need to have like street cred with, with both the DevOps teams and the platform teams. And, and these are people that, I mean, are some of the, you know, best, uh, depending on the, on the engineering org, but some of the best like uh, systems, you know, engineers uh, out there. So they're not, you know, a, a junior coder. Um, and, um, and yeah, and yeah, at the same time, you know, they have to have the skill set to, um, you know, speak different languages. Cause that's really what it, it boils down to, right? Like the lingo that you use with your C-level and executives to get executive buy-in is completely different than the language that you need to speak to developers, right? So in the former, um, you'll, you have to talk about, uh, you know, uh, total, uh, like cutting time to market, um, and, and total lead time and your Dora metrics. And, um, you know, if there is already some level of buy-in for rolling a platform, then it's about also TCO total cost of ownership of that platform. And what are the trade-offs that we're doing if we're trying to build everything in house versus like, uh, you know, doing that last mile optimization, all those things that we can get into later, and so that's the language that you need to speak to the C-level when you go to your 
um, developers is a lot more kind of like down to earth. Hey, like today you're waiting. Um, today you're stuck and this sucks. And, uh, you know, developer experience is terrible and yada, yada, yada. And how can we make that better? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that conversation is also becomes extremely nuanced around the what is the right level of abstraction. And that's also that something that maybe we can get into, but uh, also very interesting. Yeah, I think it's a really great point that you're making about sort of the, uh, you know, the the different type of conversation that you need to have with like the C-level or who essentially whoever is like the controlling of the resources or controlling of the budget versus the developers. You know, I've made that mistake in my past uh, life with uh, some developer tooling that I've worked on where, you know, I tried to articulate things to those uh, essentially the people who are um, the, the, the people that control the resources and, and decisions about what gets invested in around, hey, we, we need to make life easier essentially for our developers. And, and, it's, and it's not that they don't care about those things, but really what they're looking at is what is the business impact of this thing? And you need to really articulate things in terms of that. So it's like, does this generate revenue? Does this decrease our costs? Uh, does this decrease like our time to market? Those types of things are what really matters. And I think that's a good uh, you know place to maybe kind of dip into what are sort of the like typical KPIs that a platform engineering team is responsible for. I heard you mention a couple of things there, but maybe we can uh, dive into that a little bit deeper. Totally. Um, well, so I mean, usually you'll you'll track um, a you know your DARA metrics really um, in terms of like what's the impact on the engineer organization and and then those will then be sort of like abstracted into like higher level stuff like time to market as we said right so if you speak to your c level you know your your mean time to recovery <laughs> is not going to is not going to be is not going to resonate too much i think right um but um you know ultimately when you talk about uh, your metrics, we're talking about lead time, right? So how long it takes um, the team to go from, from code committed to uh, something production ready. And um, then you have deployment frequency, uh, change failure rate, and and then MTTR or mean time to recovery. And so uh, that's ultimately how we see a lot of teams tracking like, okay, what's the impact of a platform on this kind of like more quantitative metrics, right? And then those can be abstracted into higher level stuff that can be, you know, sold by the by the product manager, for instance, as we said, to the C-level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think though, a less quantitative thing that, uh, you know, is, is much harder to track because it's really like that, that part of qualitative feedback where then your kind of like user research and user surveys come into place is just overall satisfaction. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, and, and, you know, people, when they talk about developer experience, it can be something like really abstract. And um, we definitely see it not resonating a lot with, you know, C-level because it's like, oh, DevX, whatever, nice to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, when you when you really like dive a little bit deeper and you see just like the sheer amount of frustration that is in the system um, in a lot of these teams today because of this DevOps friction that we were talking about. It's crazy just like the the, the productivity gain that you can that you can get from uh, rolling out a platform. And so that's the other way of of sort of like measuring success um, of, of a platform initiative. And something that then again is up to the sort of like platform owners to turn into relatable metrics for the different stakeholders, right? Um, but that's because, um, you know, like you can easily like extrapolate then uh, lead time from that and productivity and then time to market eventually and like impact on your bottom line, right? As, as, as an org. So um, is, again, that's where that, that, that those communication skills become really, really important. A, to listen and get that initial feedback and understand how good of a job you're doing at improving or how bad of a job, right? Because like we also see a lot of like anti-patterns in the way people build and, and ship platforms. And one is, you know, simply sounds so stupid, but like it's like, not delivering enough a, a product that is 10x better, right? And if you have 
a something that is just like 1.5 better than the existing workflow, then you have just too much friction for developers to jump over, right? Like now you're disrupting the way they, they learn to do things. Why would they, right? And so that's that's one thing that I think it's like very simple, right? But it's like just build something that is 10x better, which is not that hard when you consider how bad the situation is today, right? But you need to you need to do that. Yeah, I, I think like I imagine one of the challenges in this space from like a perceived business value uh, of a kind of nice to have versus like this is a must have. I think, you know, companies like Stripe, Twilio, SendGrid, they've done an amazing job with sort of popularizing that like DevX uh, developer experience like matters from like a go-to-market or from a like product differentiator from a, but that's like, you can see that as an external company that's like, you know, trying to essentially emulate those people. But if you're doing platform really well, it's like internal. You don't know, like, why is it that this company can ship product so fast? You don't necessarily know unless they're, you know, talking about it essentially. So is there, you know, a challenge essentially around, um, you know, uh, creating more like external advocacy for, uh, platform engineering being a must-have for companies versus sort of something that's seen as or perceived as a, a nice-to-have? Yeah, it's such a great question because, um, you know, the companies that you mentioned did do that, but they did do they, they did that for, um, you know, basically you're kind of like bottom-up uh, single-player mode type of products, right? And And so... That's where that makes a ton of sense because, like, if I'm a developer, right, and I need to pick and I need to figure out like a payment solution for my app, and Stripe just gives me this amazing DevEx, fantastic, right? That's a no-brainer. The problem is when you talk about you know this like multiplayer, very complex enterprise products, um, the um, you know the the like you then have to speak to the C-level and the C-level cares a lot less about DevX, despite whatever they will tell you in public, right? Um, and so that's why, that's that's where that, that, that communication, again, becomes really, really crucial. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your question, we we still have a, a long way to go, I think, in, um, in uh, establishing platform engineering and you know self-service and how and, and you know this whole thought leadership around how you want your developers to interface themselves with your infrastructure your um you know configurations workflows and so on and and what a, a huge boost that can have on your top line bottom line and so on and um and you know we're just we're just getting started right like ultimately the community um has been growing like crazy right we've we've been uh, we've been building it for the last couple of years we crossed 10,000 people in the slack we uh, you know platformcon had 7,000 signups 6,000 attendees last year this year we are 3 months away and we already have 7,000 signups so we're we're expecting about 15,000 attendees so you can see this like it, you know sort of like compounding uh, exponentially really year over year month over month uh, you know, just in the last six months, I think the sheer amount of people that are speaking about platform engineering is, is crazy, probably 10x. Like, I don't mm. know, I don't have hard numbers, but like, I just see these like, uh, you know, is DevOps really dead uh, articles, just like there's like 10 of them every week, it seems. And <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and so, uh, but, but, you know, we're also seeing, you know, very established analysts like Gardner, Forrester, um, you know, really picking this up. Uh, and um, Gardner last year put uh, Platform Engineer on their hype cycle at the sort of like beginning of the hype cycle. Um, mm -hmm. They also nominated it one of the top 10 key trends to look for in 2023. And that is ultimately, you know, uh, sort of like communication and and thought leadership that is is fed uh, to uh, sort of like your CIOs and and C level and executives and the enterprise, and so I think we're slowly getting there, uh, but there's definitely a, a still a very long way to go, and um, um, and uh, importantly, I think is uh, you know the, you know part of the reason why I'm really happy to to be on on podcasts like this is also to really define these things clearly, right? Because the last thing I want to happen is uh, you know. 
that internal developer platforms end up like GitOps, where nobody really knows what it actually means. <laughs> and you had, you had like you have like all these different companies trying to like pull for like different definitions. And so like a lot of the work that I'm trying to do uh, and that we're trying to do as a community is to really have a shared understanding of what these best practices are. Because again, it's not like we did anything new, right? Like people have been building platforms for the last decade. It's just that there has been, there was uh, definitely a a big gap in the industry around just like definitions, best practices, and a a shared place for people to come and you know kind of like talk about their worst stories and mistakes and you know what can be done better. And so that's really I think um, it, it is really something that we need to get right as a community as in an industry um, to not lose another five or ten years. Um, of just you know frustrating developer experience and uh, and um, uh, yeah just just not great working uh, environments. Yeah, it's, it sounds like there's you're starting to essentially get the momentum of some of these like network effects of this community that's been being uh, built within platform engineering and and essentially like a great signal for that is uh, what you mentioned like the, the Gartner hype cycle and that's kind of I think like you know, the start of, uh, of a lot of, it sounds like the start of a lot of momentum in the area. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, it's not like platforms new, but this concept of essentially like thinking about it like a product and building it like a product, that is sort of the, the new mindset. And we've seen similar things with, you know, the shift for, uh, in terms of like treating documentation as a product versus, you know, mm. back in the, right. you know, 20 years ago, documentation was like a, physical manual that no one wanted to deal with that was like a terrible experience and now you have like these you know absolutely like beautiful documentation from of course companies like stripe is is uh, always like the example that people go to but now that that's kind of like the standard for any any company it doesn't matter whether you're an enterprise developer first developer plus company like that's the bar and that's what people expect when they come to to you and i imagine as platform engineering becomes more and more like a priority for businesses that's going to be the expectation when engineers essentially go to organizations like hey like this experience as a developer is like terrible like i can't ship code or it's too complicated or the cognitive loads too much that's not what i'm used to i'm gonna go somewhere else essentially absolutely um and that's where i think that work that we were talking about um uh around you know building that feedback loop with developers becomes so crucial because you really are uh, are going to have and, and this is ultimately you know the you know what sets it, platform engineering apart from what has happened until now in the market right so if you take an internal developer platform right like how does that differ from a platform as a service or a pass solution right cuz we've been having these as well for the last like decade plus right so like the og would have been something like heroku and nowadays there's a lot of these paths popping up all over the place that are targeting like very specific use cases like e-commerce or whatever and those are great right um and and uh, uh, and so often the the question sort of in the in the communities around like okay how does an idp differ from a pass right um and ultimately an idp is meant to provide a pass like devex right but on top of the tech and tools that the enterprise is using today um and and so that that's kind of the key difference um and why a lot of these passes like ultimately haven't scaled up to uh you know the the enterprise market is because they are just too opinionated and not flexible enough right mm -hmm. And so then that, um, so to reconnect to what you're saying, right, the, 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 it becomes really important that you figure out what is the right path, uh, you know, for the different types of users of the platform, right? Otherwise, they're not going to be happy. And, um, and this is where, you know, platform engineering, what we advocate for in the community is basically looking at platform engineering as an unopinionated toolbox to go and build your own opinionated workflows and platform right um and 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 so that's where you build that basically internal pass but on top of your own tech and tools and importantly um having this different golden pass right because ultimately a, a pass will basically give you a very kind of 
uh, hey, this is the adventure. It's already chosen for you, right? Versus a choose your own adventure type of uh, type of uh, player mode. And uh, you know, and to make this like a little bit more practical, right? Like, let's say you have your uh, senior backend engineer, right? Um, and they really love messing around with their YAML files and so on, and and their Helm charts and 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 IAC modules. And so forth. And if you now like abstract all of that away from them, like I can guarantee you, you're going to have an extremely hard time rolling out that platform. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, um, but on the flip side of that, let's say you have like a really, uh, you know, like a junior front end engineer who doesn't care whether you're running on AKS or EKS or frankly, they don't care whether you're running on Kubernetes at all. Right. Um, and so in that case, you it does make sense to provide them with a with a much more kind of like abstracted, much simpler view of um, the of the world, whether that is you know a UI or fully code based or whatever. Um, uh, and so, like side comment on that, we do see that uh, whether you know e- even in the cases where you have this like more abstracted thing, um, the UI like this like click up stuff is not usually appreciated by developers because they're still used to, you know, they're kind of like Git-based, fully code-based kind of workflows. And so that's kind of the preferred interface and what we see the most successful uh, IDP initiatives kind of uh, figure out is nail really that adoption flow with um, these different like code-based interfaces. And, um, but that's just like an example of, you know, you need to provide people with these different golden paths that give them the right amount of context. And there is nobody that can figure that out um, um, uh, other than the the platform team, right? Um, And if I'm a product team at a pass provider, there's no way I can figure out the user preferences of, you know, different types of dev teams within company X, right? And, And so that's where the platform team works becomes taking this unopinionated toolbox and do that last mile optimization, right? So what's in the toolbox is going to be like uh, open source solutions like Argo CD and uh, Kubernetes and whatever, and and then commercial solutions like Humanitech, for instance, and then uh, and then go and, and and find what's the right combination of those, and then do that last mile optimization that only you as the platform team can do, and nobody else, right? Not us as Humanitech not the maintainers of the open source stuff and not a, a pass provider. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, there's not going to be, uh, you know, one size fits all for any organization, but there's certain, you know, patterns, essentially this like yeah. essentially unimpended toolbox that you can start with, but you're going to end up as a team, essentially crafting a unique, somewhat unique product that's going to serve yeah. your customer, which is essentially your internal developer team, the best, uh, and, and that's why, like, just ripping something off the shelf isn't really going to necessarily work. Totally. And, and I mean, like, everybody likes to think they're, you know, especially Snowflake, and they're not. Like, we see these, um, you know, this configuration issues. Every time we speak to people, they're like, oh, yeah, but the way we do, like, we configure workloads, and then it's, like, literally 98% the same as everybody else. <laughs> um, but that 2% does matter, right? And and um, and you will have, like, exotic requirements that just depend on, like, your specific business model or, you know, your security and compliance requirements and whatever, right? And so this is where it's super important to just provide uh, to a create this um, you know thought leadership around platform engineering so that it, all the different the three different stakeholder groups are on board right so like we were saying the C level is convinced by Gardner and the platform teams by the community and the developers by the ease of adoption like all the different things right um, but then also that um, they are given this like toolbox uh, that uh, that they can then like go and tweak and they can figure it out on their own. Yeah. So, I mean, could you give uh, like maybe an example of um, uh, you know a challenging or interesting like platform engineering product that that or project that you'd worked on and, and sort of how you approached it to kind of get into maybe a little bit of the the sort of practicalities of actually developing something like this. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think honestly the um, 
the most interesting and and like common well so i was going to say like the, what 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 i just explained that that kind of um challenges like what's the right level of obstruction what's the right interface i find that to be probably one of the the major blockers that platform initiatives uh, find another one that just just so that we can change uh mm. is um is this idea of um prioritization right um and so where i see a lot of platform teams fail is um and 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 this is really like platform team plus c level they look at this and they're like all right we get it we need to improve developer experience um how do we do that right and then they basically approach this problem from a chronological perspective meaning uh, instead of looking for where is the most pain right now in developer workflows in our current setup they um they basically think about all right what is the what is what does a developer do right and they start from like oh they create a service then they do this and they have to deploy blah blah and they stop immediately <laughs> at that first step and they're like oh let's let's go optimize that right um failing to understand that that you know like how often do you do that? Like how often do you create a new service? Like less than one percent of the times, right? Um, and and then they basically fall in love with these, you know, like service catalogs that you know promise this like reusability and you know transparency, and it's great because it's a dashboard, and which manager doesn't love a good dashboard? Um, and and all these things, right? And and um. And, and and that's the kind of like what I call the prioritization fallacy, right? Which is basically, um, you know, if you want to build a house, instead of, you know, by instead of starting with the foundation, you start by building a door, um, right? And it's like you're there, but there's no house behind it, right? <laughs> and um, and and that's kind of like where I see uh, teams fail. And so, how do you address that? Well, you you look at um, the where is the most pain and how do you identify where is the most pain? Well, look at the time spent, right? So um, we have, um, you know, in Humanitech, for instance, we put together this RI calculator, which is really an RI calculator for building IDP more than like specifically building with Humanitech, which is probably something that we should change. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but that's where you can see like um, these, um, you know, these uh, how much time is spent by you know per deployment per hundred deployments by developers and operations on different tasks right and then that way you can easily understand all right this is this is where really the knots are in my workflows and that's what i should go and address first and you know guess what like in the vast majority of cases the problem the pain points are in how developers um handle you know resources infrastructure configurations or application configurations not in um, you know, uh, service templating, uh, which can probably just be done by like GitHub templates or whatever, ultimately. Um, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you know, stuff like Backstage, for instance, like is uh, is is a great product. And we, um, you know, we worked really closely with the product teams and like there's a, to, to integrate it, right? But ultimately it's really just like a, a portal, a view on top of your, on top of your internal developer platform. Um, and, um, um, and, and, and so again, you want to start with, um, with building that foundation, not building the windows of your house. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds like great advice. Uh, you know, as we start to wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share? Maybe you have some advice for people who are, you know, aspiring to move into platform engineering or interested in building successful platforms, you know, that might be a good place to kind of, um, you know, wrap things up. What, what would your, be your advice essentially for people who are aspiring to, to work in this area or maybe even build these teams for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the, the first thing is, is come join the community. Uh, it's really the best place to get started. Platformengineer.org has a ton of really good resources. We're putting together, um, a whole tooling library there and um, PlatformCon, PlatformCon.com. So we're going to, it's going to happen on the 8th and 9th of June and um, it's free, it's virtual. So people can join from anywhere. Um, and we really have some of the best DevOps platform thought leaders in the world um, for those two days. So I think those are all good starting points. Um, I think if you are 
already doing some sort of platform engineering and you're kind of like want to level up, um, you know, the uh, it'd be great to like one sort of like call to action that I want to share with everybody is to go and like also just share what it is that you've been doing until now. Right. And specifically, what is the you know, what is what is the architecture of the platform that you're building? Uh, because that's how you provide, that's how we all provide each other with different blueprints, right? Because I feel like the community has gone through this last year and a half of, hey, listen to me. If you want true DevOps, if you want true, you build it, you run it at the enterprise scale, you need to build some sort of platform layer to enable that. Um, and it feels like now there are finally a lot of people listening, as we said, Gardner is writing about it. Everyone is writing about it. And so people are coming in hot, right? They're like, okay, this is cool. It's trendy. I'm in, where do I go next? And then there's crickets. There's uh, not enough, uh, you know, uh, sort of like clear design principles, design patterns, reference architectures, and really just good starting points for people to get going on their platform journey. And so that is a major focus for us this year in the community is, you know, the track that I'm looking forward to the most at Platform Con is Platform Blueprints. Um, and so I would encourage everybody to just like go and like come and share more around like what is the platform that you build? What are the challenges? And really just sharing like pe so that people can have a starting point. And, you know, we're going to have soon uh, in the next couple of months, like actual fully coded out uh, you know, uh, reference architectures that people can can start getting started with. And so, um, yeah, come join us. I think it's uh, this year is, is going to be super interesting. Awesome. Yeah. And Luca, thanks so much for being here. Uh, it's, you know, as you mentioned, like this concept has been around for, you know, 10, 15 years. So it's not necessarily new, but it sounds like there's a lot of, you know, momentum essentially in this space. But it, as you mentioned, it's also like, you know, just hit the hype cycle with Gartner. So in many ways, it's just kind of like the, the beginning of this journey of, of platform engineering. And to be honest, I feel like I've, uh, in this conversation, I've found like whatever my next job is going to be is uh, moving into like platform engineering, product management, because it, it, you know, I've worked as a product manager and developer experience. I built a lot of dev tools and I worked as an engineer and, and worked in developer relations. It's like the the culmination of all these things that I've done. It sounds like it's like a perfect match. So maybe maybe I'll look at that next. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know if you're if you're interested in exploring more. Happy to happy to help with that. Uh, and thanks for having me, Sean. This was fun. Awesome. Cheers.